Good morning. Thank you, Robin and Eunice. Perfect songs. I love how the Lord does that. I love it. Well, ladies, this semester, we have had the privilege of peering into the past and peeking into the future. Peering into the past through the door of a large tent surrounded by tribe after tribe of wilderness wanderers. Peeking into the future through gates made of pearl and streets of gold and a throne room more exquisite than its earthly model. Surrounded by a myriad of saints finally home. The tent a picture of God's temporary dwelling with his people, the throne room, the reality of God's people permanently dwelling with him. Week after week, we left our simple world and we stepped into a piece of heaven. If you ever get into a discussion and uh, the question arises, I wonder what heaven's going to be like, you can give an answer. You can go, ooh, ooh, I know what some of the furniture looks like. Now, I'm sure we will all agree that the information we received rivaled any college course on church history. Martha, thank you. It takes a lot of work to prepare to teach. My friend Martha worked hours and hours for weeks and weeks in study to, pre, to, to bring the Wilderness Tabernacle to Calvary's surprise here. Her work is done. Well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know one day you're going to hear that. I just hope it's way later than sooner. And well, well done, Ronnie, Robin, Sue, Donnie, Karen, Hannah, Janine, Mary, and Charity, this wonderful women's Bible study leadership team. All the work, all the prayers, love and support, my daughters and I have been beyond blessed. Now here we are. Our final study, our last time of meeting together. And this day really begs the question, what do we do now? After our potluck today, you'll take home the information you received, the handouts, the notes that you took, and you'll put them in a box or on a shelf. Or if you're really organized, you already have them in a three-ring binder and you will store them in a file cabinet. And how many of us will actually look at them again? Sorry, Martha. But what about the information that you received here and here? What do we do with that? Our small group had the privilege of reading the book, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. If you've never done it, I highly recommend it. In the familiar Luke 10, Tale of Two Sisters, Jesus gently rebukes Martha for being bothered by so many things. And he says of Mary, who was seated at his feet, just soaking in every word, she chose the good part which shall not be taken away from her. All the information this semester that we received here and here is that same good part 
and it will not be taken away from us. But what do we do with it? Well, let us find out. Let us go to our instruction manual, God's Word. Please turn or flip on your phones with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. As Martha shared several weeks ago, after this study of the wilderness tabernacle, the book of Hebrews will read totally differently to you. It will come alive like never before. I highly suggest that this summer you take some time to read it in its entirety. Scholars differ in opinion as to who authored this remarkable book and who were the intended recipients. It is widely suspected that this book was written to Christians in Rome who were enduring great persecution and who were contemplating returning to the practices of Judaism to avoid said persecution. This letter is an encouragement to stay strong. The key words that are used throughout are greater than or better than. It basically shows in chapter after chapter that Jesus Christ is better than anyone or anything else, period. When my youngest daughter, Angela, was little, she had a very large stuffed rabbit that we called Bigfoot. It stood literally this big, and its feet were about this big. In her world, Bigfoot was better than or greater than just about anything save her family. Now, don't judge me, but what I would do is use Bigfoot on occasion when I needed Angie to thin out her toy closet. So I would take Bigfoot and say, Angie, Bigfoot or this? Bigfoot, okay. Bigfoot or this? Bigfoot. It worked. Now, truth be told, my mother did the exact same thing, same thing with me when I was little. I had a doll named Toodles. Did anyone have a Toodles doll? I've never met anyone. Anyway, that's her real name. She came with it. Anyway, my mom would say, Sharon, Toodles or this? Toodles, Toodles or this? Toodles. Now, actually, Bigfoot still exists, and Toodles is sitting in my closet as we speak. Now, it took me several years to figure out what my mom was doing, but obviously it worked, so I continued with my kids. Now, I think it would be safe to say that none of us here are struggling with or contemplating returning to Judaism, but I think it is equally safe to say that we all struggle with Jesus being greater than or better than anything in our life. Over the months, we learned how each piece of tabernacle furniture pointed to Jesus, spoke of Jesus, represented Jesus. In our world, we battle daily to keep the substance, to keep Jesus above the shadow, high and lifted up, exalted over all. Too often, we put what I call externity before eternity. It's the age-old adage of worshiping the creation rather than the creator. The creation overshadows the subject or the substance, becomes more important or casts a shadow. Last week, we had the privilege of watching one of our grandsons play the part of John in his junior high production of Peter Pan. It was super cute. 
I'm sure you know the story. You're familiar with it. Peter ends up getting caught in the darling nursery because he's looking for his shadow. His shadow took off. He lost it, and it was hiding somewhere in there. I thought, what would happen if Peter's shadow said, Peter, I got this. You can take the time off. I got the rest of this play. What would it be like? And he just left Peter right in the dust. Well, it would be pretty weird to be sure. There was a boy playing Peter's shadow, and he was all in black. You couldn't even see his face, and he couldn't talk. So anyway, I thought that was quite an interesting picture. Shadows on their own, not so much. In Hebrews 10, the writer gives us encouragement and three practical ways to keep Jesus better than, greater than. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews 10. We're going to camp on uh, verse 19, but let's go, um, let's go up to 16 here. Let's read this and kind of get a, a little head start here. The writer here is reminding us of the words in Jeremiah 31, 33 regarding a better covenant with mankind. Let's read uh, verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and upon their mind, I will write them. And then he says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Praise God. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Now, let's continue with what a very dear friend of mine called salad verses. Verse 19. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here comes a salad, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed or labored with pure water. What a privilege, ladies, we can draw near. We can walk into the holy of holies with confidence, not just to pray, but have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. We can have confidence, full assurance, because our high priest gave the ultimate once for all sacrifice for us. It allowed us to become members of the household of God, to enter and partake of all he is. Never, never should we take this for granted. When I read the verses earlier, did you totally picture the tabernacle? Can you see what I mean? These words become alive when you read Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews 4.16 with me to the left just a bit. Hebrews 4.16. I'm, I'm hoping to whet your appetite so that you will just be drawn to this book and read it in its entirety. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. We learned that part of drawing near was going to the labor. Remember, 
We peer into the laver and take a look at ourselves. But how? By looking into the word. By allowing the Holy Spirit to write God's word on the tablet of our hearts through scripture memorization. By allowing the Holy Spirit to wash our minds with the word of God. Go back to the right, Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. Picture the altar of sacrifice when I read these verses. Ready? For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more, how much greater than or better than will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will the blood of Christ cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? There is power and life in the blood of Jesus. The power is and always will be because of the completed work on the cross. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I believe it by faith because the Bible tells me so. If you would want to find out any more, go deeper about what the blood, the power behind the blood of, or power of the blood of Jesus. I encourage you to get this book. It's by Andrew Murray. He's an old Dutch minister. uh, And this is just phenomenal. And you'll read all kinds of stuff in Hebrews. I highly recommend this. You can get this on Amazon. The Power of the Blood of Jesus by Andrew Murray. We can, ladies, have our conscience cleansed, but we have a part in this process. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And in Colossians 3, 2, he encourages us to set our mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. How do we do it again? By reading and believing, and heeding our instruction manual. Sadly, people are more interested in what's on their phone than what's in their heart or what's in God's word. I'm going to say that again. People are more interested in what's on their phone than what's in their heart or in God's word. I've been spending a lot of time in my backyard. Uh, I planted some flowers, and while I was outside, I discovered some lessons from the garden. These are duh things, but bear with me. Plants need to be watered to grow. They need to be tended, weeds pulled, dead branches snapped off. They need the sun. They need the light to live. This plant called Sharon Semler needs to be watered, tended, dead branches snapped off. Needs the sun, needs the light to live. By the way, while I was watering one day with the mist system, uh, mist uh, setting on my new nozzle, my hose nozzle, I saw two rainbows and I instantly thought of the electromagnetic spectrum. And I said right out loud, all by myself, always there, always there. (laughs) So. See, you're going to see this, this is going to come alive, this study, in so many areas. I have a china ca- cabinet in, oh, let me back up, sorry. We must let the Holy Spirit shine his light in our life 
through God's word to reveal and heal and to help us grow. Now, I have a china cabinet in my living room. It's from my mother-in-law, and it's a Mediterranean style. So it's got uh, swirls and indentations in the wood and kind of fancy. It sits on the wall that's directly opposite our east-facing front door. A few weeks ago, I was sitting in my recliner having quiet time and, and happened to glance at the cabinet. The sun was shining brightly across the tile floor, And I saw my hutch in all its brilliant dust. (laughs) Dust. It was horrible. I thought I had cleaned it properly. But it wasn't until that sunlight came beaming in on it that I saw the dirt in the crevices and the dirt hanging on these beautiful swirls. I quickly got my rag and my spray and I sat down and gave it a good cleaning. I think you get the story, get the message here. Now, I read uh, a story the other day, BTW, by the way, this is a little rabbit trail. I should say a Bigfoot trail, about a young boy who learned in his Sunday school class that man came from dust and turned back into dust when he died. That night when the little guy came home, he peeked under his bed and yelled, Mama, someone is either coming or going under here. Thought that was cute. Let us go, let us go back to Hebrews 10 and we'll continue on in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Go back. Hebrews 6, 19, to the left. Hebrews 6, 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. Storms are coming. Ladies, storms are here. You have an anchor. You know what's truth, hold fast, stay strong. Don't waver, don't doubt. He who promised is faithful. Hebrews 3.14 tells us to hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm unto the end. Know what you believe and believe what you know. Know what you believe Become a student of the word and then hold tight. Believe what you know. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 reminds us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And the third way that we can keep Jesus greater than is in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We will not be meeting here like this any longer. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't keep meeting together to continue to encourage one another, to build one another up. Special relationships have been formed. Don't let them go. Hebrews 3.13 tells us to encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. One plant does not a garden make. We need other plants to encourage and support and keep away the bugs and create beauty. We need each other. We need each other to remind us that Jesus is better than. To remind us to draw near, to hold fast, to encourage one another to continue to love and do good deeds wherever the wind takes us. God sees and is pleased with you. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not so unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. What do we do now, ladies? We protect the good part here and here. And we protect what God created here over the many, many months. We protect one another by continuing to love and to not grow weary and lose heart. So let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Hebrews 13, 15. May our relationship with our Savior Jesus Christ be richer and more real having learned all he did and all he is. May our relationship with one another continue to blossom and grow no matter where God plants us. I finish with this beloved benediction at the end of the book of Hebrews. Let it be my prayer for you. May the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us, which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay strong, ladies, and be encouraged. Thank you.